0: Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck and I'm your host and your name is listener and that's what you do. You listen. On today's show, Jordan Oaken. he is a podcaster, a foodie, a food journalist, some might say, maybe not. But he's a food person, loves it, eats a lot of it, comments on it. It's well-respected in the food world. And we get get into the details, my friends. We get into the nitty-gritty when it comes to capturing, to enjoying, to experiencing the finer things in life. And we talk a lot about Cheesecake Factory. So check out Jordan's podcast, Air Jordan. Follow him on the Instagram, on the social medias. And uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, if this pod gets a little uh, inside baseball, um, which I, I've never played sports, so I, I don't know what that term means, but I, I think it applies. Um, if it, You know, we, we talk a fair amount about... Uh, Los Angeles food spots, and I can understand if you're like, you know, Rick in Delaware or Donna in Detroit, and you're like, hey, guys, way to make a one-sided podcast that doesn't apply to me because you're talking about your local fucking delis and watering holes. Uh, First, I'd say, Donna, Rick, easy now, relax. Also, who do you think you're talking to? You think you're going to roll over on me, Josh Peck? Host of the Curious Podcast. You got another thing coming, friend. I was in three years of martial arts, and I'm not going to tell you which one, but let me just reassure you it was very dangerous. And I was not to be messed with because I knew plenty of uh, ankle strikes and also the art of distraction, which sometimes is the most, uh, you know, well, let's just say it's, it's the, the most incredible martial art move there is you can run away um anyway guys don't worry uh there's plenty to listen to we talk about all the good chain restaurants and many many other things so strap in get excited for my friend jordan Oaken. sorry just one more <laughs> one more part and i swear to god we're gonna start the podcast in three two just kidding um uh, we recorded this about a month ago in sort of the, the, the prime dog days of Corona, as Jordan would call it, uh, of Corona. So uh, we did this at a social distance over the phone. So there's a little... Listen, it's not bad. It's not my best kind of audio quality that I've ever had on the podcast, but it's good enough. That's right. The sentiment is right on. So... Listen, let's be honest, right? The Curious Podcast at a 7 is still every other podcast at a fucking 12. Okay? Am I right? And yeah, Joe Rogan just sold his podcast to Spotify for $100 million. I'm not resentful. I don't. He works really hard. He I hear he's a nice guy. So what? Right? You think I care? My pod does very well. Our sponsor today is BetterHelp. So... We're doing just fine. We're doing so fine that I don't even need you guys to to rate this podcast five stars, please. Or write a really nice comment that could, I don't know, help me get more people to listen. I don't need that, but I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't mind it. Please do that. Would you rate the pod? Just give it a, it's so easy. Look at it. It's so easy. Just do it. Even while you're, I think you can read a podcast while you're driving safely and not put anyone else at risk. And I'm not a professional driving teacher, but I've driven for years. So i multitask a little. I'm just kidding. Don't do anything that's not safe. Um, all right, guys. Enjoy Jordan Oaken. How are you holding up in all this, uh, this madness? What's the Oaken house looking like right now?
1: Oh, man. Uh, you know, begging for my uh, nanny back. Um, but, you know, the wife is a saint. She's taking care. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm learning how hard it is to do the floors, to do the dishes, to cook three meals a day. Uh, but it's been cool. I mean, uh, I feel closer to my family than I did before. Uh, which is nice, you know.
0: Do you do you hate your children yet, or do you, you still love them?
1: Oh well, like I said, my wife is a saint, so she's doing like ninety nine point nine percent of the parenting, maybe ninety nine point five percent of the parenting. Solid. I am kind of on the maid duties, so I got the floors, I got the dishes, I got the cooking. Uh, and I just do better under those circumstances. Uh, parenting, not my strong suit. But no, I don't hate my kids at all right now. They're they're great. Uh, you know, my son is hilarious. He's almost seven. And um, my daughter is just the cutest, easiest thing ever at almost three. So you know, it's it's been nice. I, I, you know, it's horrible because there's so much terrible shit going on in the world during the, as I like to say, the days of corona. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I like. But that. i i have no I have no complaints, really. You know, like everyone's healthy, and uh, you know we're secure. I we could put food on the table. I mean, life's you know all things considering. Like I, I have it good. Like I feel like we have it good. You know. But Jordan, if
0: you had a complaint, let me just get one. Just give me one.
1: Well, you know, one, I mean, the big complaint is I can't go to restaurants anymore. A big, a huge part of my life was going out to eat. Uh, and I, w- I
0: would imagine like, I have noticed with you and in your entire crew of like LA food people, I'm wondering, like, are you guys, are you guys like on a group chat or like a zoom support meeting once a week? <laughs> What's going on?
1: I'm trying to stay off zoom as much as possible. I get on zoom for the podcast and that's just about it. Um, you know, no, I mean, it really is. We're all just like the people who can are just trying to get the word out about what restaurants are doing, what, how they've pivoted their business, how people who wanna help them and support them can do so. So that's just what we've really been busy with. And then also supporting them, you know, and fuck Postmates, fuck Uber Eats, fuck Grubhub.
0: Why fuck them, why?
1: Well, you know, because they're charging insane percentages Uh, for these restaurants. And so I would say like the, the number one thing people can do in, in wanting to support restaurants right now, everyone has a little extra time. Like call the restaurants, order the food through them, and pick up the food.
0: Word. Like, what's what's a vig a Postmates is taking on? Honestly, what are, we, are we talking mafia vigs?
1: I mean, it's up there, my bro. It's some Hyman Roth shit. It's like 30%.
0: Jesus. And the margins, you know what's been so revealing to me during this, which I, I had no idea, is how tight of a margin restaurants are operating under.
1: Yeah, it was an impossible business to begin with. And so with all this that has happened losing all your dine-in business i mean it's that much harder and now it's like the dominoes are all falling it's like you know today auburn on melrose closed a a very cool fine dining prefix kind of choose your own adventure thing that had like the best bread service of the last year they they were doing like an avocado butter Which is the the nicest, the nicest toastiest loaf, and uh, they they just announced, unfortunately, that they're closing. Yesterday, the big deal was that um, Bon Temps in the Arts District is closing, and so yeah, it's like these restaurants had very little room to spare for fuck ups, for any kind of mistakes, for any kind of bad days, and 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 then you know. Life exploded on them.
0: And yet you got fucking Cheesecake Factory, no shade, no Tino Lemonade, because you know me, I'm a factory man. But they they straight <laughs> up they told their landlords, you ain't getting rent from us. And yeah. we're the factory. What are you gonna say?
1: Yeah, well, they're in a position where they can do that. I mean, frankly, when when your Oreo cheesecake is that delicious, you could take, you know, you could take some liberties. But so true. I didn't know you were a Cheesecake Factory guy.
0: I'm a chain restaurant guy. I mean, Outback Steakhouse, the Macaroni oh. Grill, oh, wow. and Applebee's. I'm down to clown at most, oh, you need most have, mass eateries.
1: You need to have BJ Novak on and just talk chain restaurants. That's his thing.
0: Oh, Jordan, I, I can't take how many famous friends you have. You're very connected. <laughs> You're the most
1: famous guy I know
0: get out of here dude i was i was honored when when bj came up to our table when we were eating together a few months ago and you know uh, he's a big fan of your podcast i I was very impressed with like you know your level of connections you're an impressive guy jordan
1: oh damn thank you sir thank you thank you um yo i forgot about that meal that was a great dinner we were at birdie g's right and we ran into BJ I totally forgot about that that was a great meal and that's another place right now that's just their life got turned upside down they're they've pivoted they you know they're doing takeout now for the first time they're doing like you know Jeremy Fox it has like a you know there's a real jewish vibe to that menu and so he's just going all in now with like offering reuben sandwiches to go and del- and sliced deli meats to go and marbled rye to go it's just like everyone's just doing what they can, you know?
0: Well, I mean, they have a schmaltz fried rice. What more do you need to know? No, you don't
1: don't need to know much more than that.
0: If there was ever a blending of cultures, because no one appreciates Chinese food more than our tribe, than the Jewish people, and that they would incorporate chicken fat, this is like, this is a beautiful mix.
1: You know, it's funny. Have you ever cooked with schmaltz? I haven't. It scares me. It scares me too. So when I went, so when uh, I recently got Birdie G's and, you know, most of these restaurants are now doing like groceries to go to. So you can get like a fucking avocado and like a box of matzah from this guy too. Right. And he threw in some, he threw in some, uh, grivinous, which I had really never fucked with before, which was delightful which for our Gentile listeners is chicken fat. It's 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 chicken fat that's fried with like onions and then kind of like cooled down to this like spreadable gelatinous deliciousness, which is sounding crazy to every non Jew out there right now, but just like trust that is actually delicious.
0: Isn't it incredible when you really dig into like a Jewish type meal service how how quickly you realize that we're village people like we are not a refined palate culture we come from like hearty ass stews and briskets and chicken fat like my 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 wife's beautiful gentile mother during the whole Passover pandemic, was like, listen, allow me to cook a couple dishes for your people so that you can feel as though you're represented during these difficult times. I said, God bless you, you Catholic queen. And she was very surprised at how hearty and, dare I say, Slavic our offerings are.
1: <laughs> we are not a pretty people, Joshua. you know, And, <laughs> and the food especially ain't it. You know, like aesthetically, it ain't it. If if you're blind and you're just eating it, you're enjoying yourself. But there's not pre- Jewish Jewish cuisine is not pretty. You know, it's so true. It's not pretty. It's very it's 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 slop esque. You know, but it's undeniably delicious.
0: Now, you're you're a little older than me, but you grew up in L.A. and I grew up in New York. So I wonder if this if you were sort of exposed to this growing up in the 90s in New York, there would be at a deli mustard, you know, ketchup, relish, pickles on the table. But then there would be a like a maple syrup type jar full of just fat. Do you, did this exist when you no, were a kid?
1: And and we didn't have relish on the table either. What are you talking about? What are the what restaurants? What kind like of restaurant? Delis,
0: Sarges, Carnegie Deli. I don't know. Maybe not Katz's, but at delis in New York, they actually had fat on the table. That like the OG. I'm talking like old Jews born in the 20s and 30s would put on a piece. It was probably grivens. Nah,
1: nah, Put on bread yeah. and
0: eat that shit.
1: Or it was or it was uh, schmaltz, but. No, 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 no. We had, I grew up eating at Junior's, which no longer exists. It's, um, it's on West. It was on Westwood Boulevard and Pico right across the street from the apple pan. Sure. And that was like our West side. That was like the West side LA Jew deli. Okay. That's like where Jonathan Gold grew up eating and everything like that. Now, if you were from Beverly Hills, of course, you grew up eating uh, at Nate now. And as I got older, I moved back to LA and uh, started living on my own. I would go to Nate now often because I lived near there. But no, man, only pickles. You can't put some fat on a table in LA. That's not no, going to fly. They,
0: they ain't doing that out here.
1: No, that's not going to fly. In the and, and, and relish?
0: There was some relish. People were throwing relish on a hot dog. I don't know what else.
1: That's crazy. No, no condiment love like that. None.
0: So I wanted to ask you you mentioned something earlier about an incredible bread service because I'm I myself am a huge proponent of a great bread service that you get at a steakhouse or maybe a Wolfgang Puck restaurant. Do you have any insight into what the bottom line is of a bread a free bread service at a restaurant? Like is that costing them a shitload of money cuz why doesn't everyone do it?
1: Why doesn't everyone offer a bread service? Yes. Well, because they're fucking idiots if they're not I mean, what what is like more pleasurable to the customer and keeps a customer coming back like an incredible free bread service by the way i'll pay for bread too like any restaurants out there like if you don't want to add it to your bottom line and just work it into the pricing i'm happy i'm happy to buy good bread but, yes. yeah, I mean, it, it, the price is nominal. It, it's not a lot. Although there are restaurants now, you know, like Petit Trois and Republique, they're doing, like, very expensive French butter. And Republique, at least, charges you for that. But, by the way, buy it. You're not going to get better butter in L.A. right now than the stuff at Republique or or uh, Petit Trois. They're using that Bordier, that French Bordier.
0: What is that? That's that you, good from you, those
1: good you, French cows. You need that in your life. Uh yeah, just amazingly rich, salted French, soft French butter. That's just like a little funky, but just basically the best spreadable cheese you've ever had. But, but, but it, but it but it doesn't add in. But by the way, like anytime I could get it, let's do it. Mastro's. Who has a better bread basket than Mastro's? You know, it's it's really
0: essential, and like a warm pretzel bread is like yes. an introduction. It it it's like it's you know what it is. A bread basket is like oral sex, right? In the respect of it's like a great appetizer and a preview of what's to come so when you're doing that and uh, you know pun intended but it's like you're doing that and you're like wait there's more
1: yo by the way sometimes it's the whole shebang too right sometimes sometimes you just want the bread and butter and you're on your way (laughs) right
0: absolutely
1: like i could go to mastro's i swear to god and just get a maybe eat like a bread basket a bread basket and a half maybe throw some some shrimp cocktail in there go right to dessert and be happy
0: sometimes the steak is too much i mean and i think i mentioned this on your podcast the air jordan podcast a great one go listen to it now um you know i'm kind of the guy that'll go get a killer like steakhouse salad bread basket maybe a couple sides dessert and we could do the steak another day
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, by the way, especially at a place like Mastro's where steak is not really the star, right? So like certain steakhouses, you know, you're getting like you go to Peter Luger or they used to have Wolfgang's out here, which is just which is a which is a Peter Luger clone. And really, the porterhouse and the dry aged meat, that's the star of the meal, right? Like you go to APL, that the 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 star of the meal is the meat, and basically you go to cut, you know, Wolfgang Puck's place in Beverly Hills. The star is the meat, or Keith Spaka, Nancy Silverton's place. The star is the meat, but a lot of steakhouses don't have that great of beef, and so you're there because the breadbasket's good, because you love the macaroni and cheese side, or the salad starter, or the shrimp. And every one of these places has insane dessert. And I can't not order dessert. The, the, there I, are people, Josh, ordered, not ordering dessert. And you're, when you need to get skinny, you're probably not ordering dessert, are you?
0: It's so funny. I'm, I'm getting in shape right now for this show I'm supposed to do, which who knows if it'll still happen. But they're paying for me to train, which is beautiful because I'm too cheap to do it on my own. And it's really like the one thing... Because I try to keep it like a resting sort of skinny fat most of the time, where I'm like not in great shape, but I'm I'm not out of control. But I'll tell you, cutting out dessert, which I've had to do, is is painful.
1: It's not great. What is this role that you need to be in shape for?
0: I uh, am playing <laughs> the the updated. Oh, this is Tom Turner Hatch. and Hooch, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. And I'm playing a Why U.S. Marshal. Oh, okay. But like Hanks, just a everyday man. You know, like that the every man. The classic everyman. Never never had a muscle on him.
0: That's a great it, point. Yo,
1: except the second half of Castaway. He got he got he got chiseled on that island.
0: That's it is sometimes my greatest fear because I know I can get in shape, because that requires eating. And I'm a big boy, and I don't know if you can identify with this, but like putting weight on and working out so that it becomes muscle. No problem. Getting super thin. I don't know if I could do it.
1: Hmm. I mean, that's cool though that they're paying for it. You get a nutritionist too.
0: No, I mean, they're paying my boxing trainer, like, you know, a couple hundred bucks a week to basically work me out, which is great. Um, and we, we basically just do sessions by ourselves in an empty gym because that's like, you know, quarantine approved. And, uh, but it's the best. I mean it's it's totally the best except for I've definitely had friends uh suggest to me that I do a round of steroids which I just nah. can't I just I can't do it. I can't do it.
1: <laughs> Wait. So wh- which is the dog, Turner or Hooch? Hooch. Hooch Come is the on, dog. Hooch. Okay. <laughs> so are you are you like are you like bonding with 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 dogs right now with canines? Are you are you trying to like get into that character were you a dog guy
0: i am a dog guy and actually the dogs are in vancouver where we're supposed to shoot um being trained as we speak so there's a couple different hooches and they're you know going through it i get updated videos every couple weeks of their like progress and they're they're speaking they're rolling over they're solving crimes it's incredible like they're they're preparing
1: man what a life actors what a life
0: I mean, speaking of you, I mean your first foray and, and until becoming like writer, podcaster, you were in the biz, right? Didn't you start in the ICM? Uh, I did. Mailroom? I did.
1: I was. I was. I was widely known as the worst assistant in the history of Hollywood.
0: And ICM, for anyone who doesn't know, is one of like the top four biggest agencies, right?
1: Yeah, I mean it, it. It's a major. It's a major Hollywood talent agency, and I went there not because I wanted to be an agent, but because I wanted to work in entertainment, and I had always known that that was kind of the center of the universe, and that it's a great thing on a resume or something like that. I don't know. You meet people, you make connections, and I quickly realized it was the worst place you could possibly be. Soul crushing, and I hated it.
0: And especially at that time, ICM was like, I mean, they represented Woody Allen, Denzel, Sylvester Stallone. I mean, they had, they were at its peak, whereas now they've, they might have, they've fallen slightly.
1: Yeah, I I think the, um, the motion picture department has definitely fallen off and they're more of, you know, they're stronger in television, Uh, but Just the whole thing of advancing other people's creative careers while I wanted to be creative—it was—it was—it was was not good. So we call an Air Jordan a no bueno,
0: a no no bueno. And what's like the bro culture like, right? Because that scares the fuck out of me. Because agencies are sort of weirdly, you know, it's like working for Goldman Sachs or or Morgan Stanley, right?
1: I mean, look, I, I think that amongst the agencies that the culture is different in every single one. Like there, it's almost like fraternities, right? There's like the cool kids, the jock house, the, you know, the Jewish house, although every uh, agency is a Jewish house, but, uh, (laughs) but, 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 so it's different everywhere yeah there's bro culture. I mean I the, and, and and shockingly, there are some cool agents you know like guys who you would want to hang out with. but a lot of the people I was meeting there you would not want to hang out with uh, and you know they, they get a bad they get a ba- they rightfully get a bad rap you know agents for the most part for the most part. Uh, but there's
0: there's a hierarchy structure too that's very present, right?
1: How how do you mean?
0: In the sense of like, it's very much like in your position, working your way up through the mailroom and then an assistant and then sort of like an upgraded assistant and then a junior agent. And it's like at every turn, it's much less of like the startup culture or, you know, where if you have a great idea as a mailroom guy, like it doesn't matter. You're a subordinate, like work up the ranks. You're not going to get launched up just because maybe you... Are a little bit more qualified than others.
1: Yeah, no, I mean it's true. You have to pay your dues. You have to put in a long, a, a decent amount of years to 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 be promoted to get to a certain salary level where you're, where you feel like you're even remotely balling as an agent. Um, yeah, you can't just make it overnight as an agent. And I think much like selling you know, big syndicated TV and getting, you know, Seinfeld or friends rich in the TV world as creators. It's really hard now. I, I I think to, to make a ton of money as an agent coming up right now, I think, you know, all the agencies have, have created the partner, uh, you know, the, the partner structure and there's tons of partners at every agency. So I mean, probably the only way to really do it is to start your own thing. But, and there's little startup agencies that have been doing their thing for a while and none of them have really blown up. Maybe Verve is like the only one that's kind of created their own space. But yeah, it's a tough business. I mean, like most of the entertainment business, right? Like we missed the glory days, right? We missed the 70s and 80s and, you know, most of the 90s where people were getting massively rich and having. fucking party and doing drugs and 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 enjoying themselves before it all went corporate
0: yeah it definitely has pivoted and it's not the wild west as it once was and it's like I think what's reassuring about the business at this point, and especially over the last few years where I heard everyone bitching and moaning about this, you know, about a huge diversity initiative, which I thought was only good for the business and basically for the world. Right. Because overall, I think we were awakening to a lot of sort of blind spots that had been there for a long time. But what I'm finding more than ever is that there's this great Jim Gaffigan quote where he just says, like, you must be undeniable. And like I'm finding that to be more true than ever in the business, which doesn't make sense why I got a job. But it's like it's like you can you can sort of bemoan that sort of like it's not what it once was and they're not making as much and it's changed and blah, blah, blah. But inevitably, it's only positioned people who are truly talented and great to rise and kind of the rest of the bullshit has fallen
1: yeah, no, I totally believe that. I mean, that that's true in everything, right? Like, I mean, I kind of distill it down and my friends make fun of me for saying this when when someone like pitches an idea or a chef has, you know, a new concept or a dish they want me to try or something. It's just like the very simple distilled version of it is make it dope. You know, like try yeah. to be different. Try to sound different. Try to, uh, it's okay to be inspired by others, right? Um, you know, when I was like, when I was writing my novel, it was just like all I was reading was Peter Biskin and and uh, Brett Easton Ellis and 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 Joan Didion, and so everything kind of sounds like that in a way. But I tried to make it my own thing, so it's okay to have inspiration, but like you should be thinking as a creative of how to do things a little different, how to stand out, and not just conform to everything that you've seen and just be derivative. Right. And, and that's why, you know, unfortunately, I mean, that's why 90% of movies just suck and, 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 you know, broadcast television is just unwatchable is because everything is just so familiar in a horrible way.
0: I think that's, that's really smart. And I, It's funny. I had a friend who was pitching me an idea and he was like, you know, we want to have, because as you know, I, on YouTube, I do a lot of like mukbangs, eating shows, and I'm constantly eating shit with my big fat friend, Jonah, and, and my buddy, uh, my buddy Joe. What up, Jonah? Much respect, Jonah. He's the greatest. And, uh, and so a buddy of mine was like, why don't we go out to like some legit networks pitching an idea of you going and like mukbanging with people? And I he's like, it, it'll be like like hot ones, but you're mukbanging. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, it's a that's not a good idea. And and he asked <laughs> me why. And I said, because every slightly charming person who's an actor or someone in the limelight thinks that they're compelling going and eating and traveling, right? We all want to rip off Bourdain because he had the greatest job ever. And most of us are blind to how great he truly was and why he was one of one. And, And I'm like, you use Hot Ones as an example. I said, the genius of Hot Ones is that the host and the celebrity are not the star. It's the fucking hot sauce. That's the genius. That is... Kind of the wild card that you pitching me eating with other people is missing. So, unless you find that extra layer, it's just kind of whatever.
1: Yeah. And I guess that's why at least the first iteration of Man vs. Food was so good, right? Because Adam Richmond really was this kind of new fresh face in the food media world. And he was this kind of, I mean, maybe it's just you and I who like, you know, kind of overweight Brooklyn Jews, but. There is something endearing about him. But at the end of the day, there was this goal. You have to finish this food. This food is attacking you in the same way that the hot sauce is attacking people on Hot Ones. But hot and, and because of that, obviously Hot Ones is a genius show. Um, and the first iteration of Man vs. Food was a was a genius show. Um and yeah, everyone. Look, like everyone wants to be Anthony Bourdain. I, I, I personally don't. And any food shows that I would do in the future would look nothing like what he does. Uh, but one of why our, is You that? know, well, because he did it so well. And I'm not really interested in the cultural aspect of understanding. Uh, societies and and how the cuisine defines who they are as a people, because people like Anthony Bourdain, uh, and David Chang, uh, and even our buddy Phil Rosenthal are doing it so well, right? And that is their lanes. And to me, it's like I I like again, like make it dope, like find a way to do things differently, to sound different, to look different. And I just can't be in that lane, you know, Phil. The, the 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 genius pitch for the Phil Rosenthal show was he's anthony bourdain but scared of everything right you know and that fits his character so well uh and so that's his you know version uh, but but there was only one anthony bourdain obviously um and yeah no the buck the, yeah, the, the mukbang idea is horrible
0: right and i I, you know, it's funny. I got to interview Peter Meehan, um, who's the deputy editor of the LA Food Times or the LA Times food section, and had worked with Bourdain a lot early on and in the '90s and, and mid 2000s. and And I sort of asked him if he could equate or distill down like what his great, sort of like where his greatness was born out of. And he said it was as a writer. And you forget like what really held the show together. And it was funny after he passed. They kind of finished the last six episodes of his show, and it was with other people writing the narrative um, and doing the voiceover for the show. And it just was utterly lacking, because that was the true to me, like the wild card of it all, was that he was sort of dictating everything that was going on and wrapping it up beautifully in this narrative that he could create.
1: Yeah, You know and he's written a ton of books and anyone who loves the food world uh and and almost poetry should should read these things but yeah it was a very poetic show not only in the written voiceover which he obviously uh wrote but in the way that the show was put together right in the way that it was it was stitched together it was uh it was beautiful in that way and nothing i do is beautiful josh
0: the, only your face, only your perfect appearance, and Thank your you, like crisp, crisp fitted LA Dodgers cap. <laughs> what? Um. So for you, right? Like, what's yeah. your? Because as as I've admitted to you, like I like good food. I don't really seek it, and I am a creature of habit. And are you a guy that can go in and like appreciate a three Michelin star, like four hour dining experience?
1: so i never used to and um i've i've been experiencing obviously this is pre-coron right so when when those restaurants were open and serving i was gaining an appreciation for that level of food but i would much rather eat in you know a, a more casual setting with with more casual food and more kind of soulful food a lot of times it's hard to see the soul in that it's it's a lot of it's all just, it's, it's just very kind of specific and pristine. And, and there, there's an incredible art behind that kind of work, but it's, but it's, um, but it's a, a little too delicate for me. And it's a little too austere, right. And, and, and serious, whereas I'm much more into a casual atmosphere with with uh, food, I can connect with uh, better, right? So it's 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 just it's just this different kind of experience. It, it's it's almost like walking through a museum um, and 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 seeing art that you're trying to uh, figure out in a way.
0: Now you and I, and I'm not going to out the restaurant, but we have good friends who went to. You told me the story. One of uh, widely considered one of the best restaurants in the world, and had perhaps one of the worst meals they'd ever had. <laughs> like,
1: what do you think of that? I think that I totally. I mean, I was not shocked by that at all. Um, the uh, so so we're not saying the restaurant, right? So, but uh, I guess I guess the hint would be that this this restaurant kind of changes often, and one of the forms that it was in was this very kind of bizarre experiment, right? And so this was an experiment gone wrong, you know. I everyone's capable of putting out food that is not great even once you have all the awards, right? All the Michelin stars, all the James Beards, all the four-star reviews. I was so I was not surprised. It sounded disgusting, frankly.
0: So what what are current food trends or uh, be it in the food world or the way in which social media sort of documents food what is pissing you off right now what does jordan oaken have an issue with
1: well we are in the days of coron right so everyone is home for the most part and everyone is cooking and it's like they everyone just discovered how to make a fucking sourdough so oh my
0: god with the sourdough starters
1: so everyone's home, not me, not you, Josh, but everyone else is home and just having a blast making sourdough. Now, first of all, sourdough, not even close to near the best bread. Why isn't the, like, so true. Why isn't the baguette getting more like, like make like again, like be different. Like you're seeing all these people making fucking sourdough. I don't want to set. Sa- what am I going to put fucking clam chowder in it? I don't want a sourdough. Give me, give me a baguette. Someone make some bagels. Give me a nice Italian loaf. You know how good an Italian loaf is. It gets no love. That's right. That's right. Make some pretzels. Do make- something different.
0: How about a fucking monkey bread? Throw that in there and blow your mind.
1: Yes. Anything. Anything other than sourdough, I would really respect.
0: Are there any foods that you're over? Because I have one, and I know I'm going to get some heat on it. What's yours? I'm tired of avocado being so fucking popular.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, I don't like, I really only like avocado as guacamole. Okay, like, if you give me anything with just slices of plain avocado, and if you, God forbid, you don't put some salt on it, you don't drop some pepper on it, we're going to have a problem. That's right. So bland. So bland.
0: It's bland. It's First of all, it needs to decide whether it's a fruit or a vegetable because I I, I don't like how indecisive it is. It's a fruit. It is, right?
1: It's a fruit. It's got a seed. It's a big seed, but it's got it, baby.
0: And I just think that if they didn't, whoever the geniuses are behind the whole healthy, fat, sort of um you know publicity campaign i don't know if if avocado would have had such a resurgence
1: i don't know if it ever had a resurgence it's always been here god damn it but only as guacamole right you, you can't grill it these people who are grilling it are idiots
0: <laughs>
1: the the chunks the chunks and like the cob salad don't need it that's right and, if, and by the way, these people, I mean, the grilling is one thing. I see people putting it in omelets. Is Have you ever seen something more disgusting than that?
0: Here's the truth. I'm not against some guacamole with like a Mexican-inspired.
1: Guacamole, guacamole is a t- an entirely different thing. I'm talking, I see people putting chunks of just plain avocado inside an omelet.
0: It feels as though it's missing and that something.
1: Is, that's offensive. It's offensive.
0: But what about these maniacs that are putting it in their smoothies? Like, what are you trying to prove?
1: They'll do anything, Josh. They'll do anything to lose some weight, okay? I, I, don't, I don't have that focus in life. I don't have to worry about it. I could, I, could put, I could put regular dairy. I could put anything I want in a smoothie and just be fine with it.
0: But by the way, Bill Nye, the science guy, he said it himself. He said, half an avocado, healthy. Two avocados, not healthy. Yes, too much very, fat.
1: Very, very high in fat. Very high in fat. But look, fewer things more delicious than a nice, a nice chip and some guacamole. Come on.
0: It is delicious, but you bring up a great point which I will not gloss over, which is you are a a big, beautiful man. Yeah. You're well proportioned. Yeah,
1: it's what they call big boned. You're big boned. I'm, which... I'm a whole lot of man.
0: It leads me to ask the question: Can you can you really trust a skinny foodie?
1: You know, it's a good question. A lot of these foodies are skinny. A lot of them are skinny. They, just because someone's blessed with a metabolism does not mean that they should not be trusted. Okay. Now there are a lot of phonies out there. You know, there are a lot of as as a Fifty Cent once said, there are a lot of wanksters out there. Right? Sure, but. But yeah, no, you could trust it. You trust Phil Rosenthal, don't you? We brought him up before. Skinny as all hell. Skinny. He's we We brought up Bourdain. Almost zero body fat on the guy. Everyone's trusting that guy. He did smoke incessantly, and then he... He may have had a heroin problem at one time, (laughs) but... 100%. But skinny, right? Very Skinny
0: it's hard it's hard for me to like it's it's hard for me to to trust a skinny chef or a thin foodie sometimes i wonder you know when i look at a thin foodie i'm like are they thin or are they just asian you know what i mean cuz it's a really you know a lot hard.
1: of the asians are very thin and they're all foodies it seems but you went off you went off on foodie asians on my podcast too you have a real thing with these foodie asians josh
0: because i really think that i've cracked it in that asian culture many of them not all of it but a lot of them a appreciate excellence yes and b that they are exposed to a wider palette early on so they can appreciate yes. a wide tableau of foods yes that's my thesis and, and
1: there's a little part to it that's like the hype beast element of it right which is like loving what's pop culture what's hip like what's the now
0: yes i think that's I think that's right on. So, I, you know, one thing we talked on your pod about, and it was one of my favorite, um, it was sort of one of my favorite things that we covered was sort of like foodie etiquette, like what it's like when you're out amongst fellow food people, food Instagrammers, like what's it looking like? Because it feels like a feeding frenzy as soon as the food comes out and the phones come out to capture the moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, the big thing is, the big saying is the camera eats first, okay? So you need the photograph, right? I don't know why we need these photographs. I don't know why I'm taking all these photographs. I do almost, I I do nothing with the majority of them. Maybe ten percent go up on Instagram, but it's like I gotta. It's it's a rich, it's ritualistic. I gotta have the photograph of what I'm eating. I may put it up on the gram, you know. I may send it to a friend who's on a diet to piss them off. I don't know, but there is something that feels right and that feels cool about appreciating this little piece of greatness that comes to your table. That's all for you. And it's ephemeral. You you eat it, it's gone. It doesn't last, but it lasts in your memory and now it lasts in our phones. And there's almost a currency to it. It's a strange thing. And I totally understand people making fun of us for it. Uh, I I rarely am the, the the type of person to stand up and take one of those bird's eye views of the table, but I'm I'm guilty of it. I've done it. Those photos look damn good, Josh. They get a lot of engagement. They get a lot of likes,
0: and that's all that matters. And we know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, all that matters in this world is how many likes and Instagram followers you have. Everyone knows that. Speaking of which, at Jordan Oaken, come along, follow.
0: Give give this man a follow. Treat yourself. Um, is there anything like that? It, are, do you have a staple or is there anything that's getting slept on that is something that you get at the supermarket that's like your go-to delicious? Maybe it's a frozen food. Maybe it's just something that you feel like almost every time I go to the supermarket, I'm indulging in this and taking it home. And it's like, it, it you know, it's just a party in my mouth.
1: All right. There's two. Okay. There's two. Oh, I can't it's- wait. And these are childhood favorites i'm staring at some of them right now got them in the office okay one the greatest cereal of all time crispex okay wow wow Kellogg, kellogg's crispex very underrated right very underrated kellogg's knows what the fuck they're doing with these things and like all cereal josh like all cereal better with no milk milk is fucking disgusting and milk ruins the crunch of cereal and the crunch it's all about the crunch so you got to eat it dry and crispex is the best cereal it's the best dry cereal you get a little crunchy corn little crunch crispy rice wow
0: and so it's it's not checks it's not a check's
1: no, this is Crispx C R I S P I X.
0: Oh, I've very, seen it, but very I
1: slept on.
0: I stay away from it because no. I always Mistake. It, you know what? I, I attribute it to um or I, I associate it with old people's cereal. I don't know why.
1: Thank you. Listen, <laughs> you need this. It's not an old person cereal. You need this. That's like total. You're thinking of total, totals for old people.
0: There's, there's a lot. You know, uh, first of all, if you eat Kashi and you're under 40, you need to question your decisions. But there, there's a lot of old people cereal. Listen, I'm the king of old people cereal because I eat a mix of two. And you might think I'm a scumbag for it, but I eat Honey Nut Cheerios and wait for it, Grape Nuts. And it's outstanding, Jordan.
1: You, mi- you mix the two?
0: I do indeed. And my son loves it. I mean, granted, he's 16 oh, months, so he doesn't have much say in it's it, an... but...
1: It's an interesting mix. Uh, Honey Nut Cheerios, undeniably, possibly the undeniably great cereal, possibly the greatest cereal. Um, I'm not one of these extra sugary. That's about as sugary as I think cereal should be, and it's perfect. Maybe a Golden Graham is a little more sugary, but I think a Honey Nut Cheerio is a perfect cereal. Um, I don't understand the mixing it with grape nuts, and I got to tell you, I had some grape nuts. Growing up in my house, one of my parents must have eaten them because they were always there. They were definitely not for the kids. But I'm a texture guy, so I don't mind a grape nut. They stay crunchy. And even even milk can't fuck with the texture on a grape nut. That thing will stay crispy through an ocean of milk.
0: I poured the cereal this morning. I just took an extra bite. It's still crunchy eight hours later.
1: It will stay crunchy on you. I don't know how I feel. I, I don't think honey nut Cheerios should be mixed with anything i like mixing cereals that needs to be left alone that is a perfect cereal it's got great crunch perfect sweetness milk doesn't fuck with it too hard that's a perfect cereal stop stop mixing grape nuts in that
0: i can't i just can't get off of it
1: you can't get off of it you can't get off it the second thing i need and it's a and it's a real problem for you. The Crispex is a real problem too. It's just handfuls of carbs all day long. But the real problem, and I think I'm on an island with this one, but my absolute favorite candy, maybe my favorite non-chocolate candy, okay? If you were in chocolates, I love C's candy, certain C's candies. But if we're talking non-chocolate candies, I have an addiction to jelly bellies.
0: Mm, interesting not jelly,
1: not jelly beans jelly bellies interesting and i i fuck with most the flavors i don't fuck with black licorice i don't fuck with the chocolate maybe sizzling cinnamon a little a little too uh vibrant for me but everything else it's a go
0: that's that's brave and i
1: <laughs> and by the way and here's the real controversial one. The buttered popcorns. I'll eat an entire bag just of those.
0: Yeah, I you know what? There here's my theory on people like you and people that are in the food world. You need to have a weird indulgence like this because so th- it's like it's like a kink, right? It's like someone who's hooked up so much, they got to they got to start, you know, uh, tying people up.
1: Is this is this is lowbrow in your opinion, or this is just straight weird and kinky food eating?
0: I I wouldn't say lowbrow at all. I don't. I'm the king of lowbrow. Like I believe, uh, sort of Dave Chang's whole ethos about like why can't peasant food be good is kind of what I live by. It's my favorite food bar none. But I yeah, I just think Crispix and, and Jelly Bellies. I. <laughs> Just i like fun- it all
1: i'm the every man i like it all i could fucks with the three michelin stars but i like i like it down lower too and now- they're real childhood staples that that now that i have free buying power at all times i i, I still can't get over that that i could just walk in and get two pounds of jelly bellies like it's nothing
0: i don't mean to brag but like i think it can be assumed that i have i've made a a little bit of scratch in my life and you made the, some
1: you've uh you've made some coin in this business
0: i've made a, a couple shekels and the reality is is that i can't believe and i don't know if you i'm sure you feel this same way if i go i'm not you know i'm probably checking the prices at a high end steakhouse because you know you could pick the wrong steak and it's a 150 dollar japanese two ounce wagyu but yeah. like
1: but you got that you got that turner and hooch money now
0: it's true. I'm doing very well. But like <laughs>
1: Okay, but yeah, go on.
0: <laughs> but like I can't, I can't believe that I can go to Cheesecake Factory and order with impunity. Like We're back
1: We're back to the Cheesecake Factory. Huh? What's your order at the Cheesecake Factory?
0: It depends on the mood I'm in. First, extra brown bread always. Of
1: course. Of course.
0: Don't even bring the white bread. Don't waste it.
1: Y- y- you know what that white bread? It, I th- I think that white bread is uh sourdough. No one needs that.
0: I don't think people need that, and then it depends on mood I'm in, You've right? Come full
1: circle on the sourdough.
0: I think that's yeah. I I just like it depends. If I'm in a healthy mood, I can be so happy, and it's not, I'm not healthy. I'm not,
1: I'm not interested in non not healthy. What what do you, you go to Cheesecake Factory? You want to indulge. What are you indulging in?
0: Well, the reality is most times I go, it's a Caesar salad with salmon on it because the croutons and the dressing alone make that salad a grand total of 1,300 calories. <laughs> so it, even their healthy shit is not healthy. But if I'm trying to do it up nice, I'm talking a buffalo blast, perhaps perhaps an avocado egg roll. And then I'm okay, doing- Okay, you
1: know, you know, we've come full circle on a few things. And I will say that- avocado egg roll is really tasty and i guess that breaks the rule of not heating up avocado i think that's the only thing warm avocado is good in is a cheesecake egg roll it's so well how is it that good like why is it so are you are you dipping in ranch of course i'm not crazy (laughs) right so it's good because you're dipping it in ranch egg roll you know, the, the wrapping is, is wonderful and it is seasoned. It's not just avocado. It is seasoned. It's, it's basically guacamole in that thing. It's really, I
0: mean, it's What could cool. be bad? It's quite the dish, and then I'm following it up with probably one of my favorite meldings of foods in the world that I can maybe eat every day, which is, like, I love any kind of a fried chicken cutlet mixed with a starch. And by starch, I mean a pasta or rice. Like, I'm the king of chicken and rice. You want to do a chicken katsu, like, you know, go Hawaiian style in a
1: white rice? So what's the dish there?
0: There's, There's one, I think it's called, like, the... First of all, there's a chicken Bellagio if you really want to go <laughs> the,
1: fancy. Right, the Bellagio is quite nice.
0: What it's what it's fried chicken cutlet, bow tie pasta, and then is the is the cutlet wrapped in like a prosciutto or something? Yeah, there's
1: a, there's some prosciutto in there. Um, my but, order my order is the the chicken Madeira. What's that? The chicken Madeira is the cutlet with like. Basically, a uh, like a like a dark sauce with cheese and like asparagus tips.
0: Mm, savory! Wow, wow, wow! Just like a marsala, like a, marsala. Gentile like a very like a make.
1: very deep marsala sauce.
0: Right, that's and that's not a that's not a dish you're gonna find at a Jewish home, right? Like that's your Christian friend's parents were making that.
1: Yeah, that as a young Jew, the Cheesecake Factory in Brentwood really blew my mind. Rip to the rip to that cheesecake.
0: No, it was yeah, in an in institution. I it's it's really interesting, sort of the disparity of foods. Like, was there anything that you grew up eating that? you like either your friends thought were weird or 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 conversely were there things that your friends ate that like you just never had experienced before
1: hmm you know it's funny my whole life i hated spicy foods and now i can't get enough of them but you know i people were most disgusted with my corn dog addiction as a child no mm. one really, no one really understood what I was doing at the mall, but I was doing it, and I was putting in work. Three corn dogs in one sitting, and hot it dog wasn't. On a stick? It, no, I was just about to say it wasn't that hot dog on a stick bullshit. This was like Westside Pavilion, mid nineties, early nineties, uh, mom and pop corn dog spot, right? And I was alone there. No one, no one would order that with me. Everyone was going to Panda Express.
0: Jesus, I got a fucking construction site going on near me. <laughs> um, I, I'm uh, yeah, as as listeners know through this pandemic, and because I live in a two bedroom apartment and I don't have the fancy Air Jordan studio that you have just yet, I'm recording these in my mobile studio, also known as my SUV. Um,
1: You're in what, a car right
0: now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All
1: right. I'm sweating bro. I like that. You're like, you're like, uh, you're like Slater. Yeah. Kristen Slater at the end to pump up the volume.
0: (laughs) I, I, I feel almost when I'm talking into a microphone in my car with people looking at me, I feel like a, like a detective, like, I mean, maybe not, but you know, like who, who recites dictation while on the, on the run, a reporter maybe.
1: Yeah. You know, I feel like with the, the YouTube culture, like all these people are just sitting in their cars and, and giving reviews of shit. So you probably look quite normal to most people.
0: So, oh man, I had a good, uh, I I wanted to do one more follow-up question. Oh, here's the perfect thing. What? Okay. Imagine you hadn't met your beautiful wife and you're on a first date with someone. What's a, what's a deal breaker? dietarily or food wise like you are on a date with a woman they do this and you go this ain't the one
1: i mean i i think that uh, look before my beautiful wife took pity on me and and decided to spend the rest of her life with me uh yeah you know, i'm not the biggest ladies man so i i let someone could do anything across from me and 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 uh, I I didn't have a problem with it. They could eat a bat
0: from Wuhan and you're like, listen. I I mean,
1: yeah, I I was just happy for the company, you know? Um, So it's not, there's nothing that's a real turnoff for me. I I think that, and part of the stuff that I talk about in my show, I love all aspects of dining culture, right? And so if someone, if I'm interviewing someone and they're one of these people who are like, you know, I, I only eat food for like energy, You know, that is interesting to me. That is funny to me. Like, I would like to get to know more about someone who actually does not enjoy the indulgence of eating. Because for me, for you, for most people, it's all we think about, right? We're planning dinner at lunch and we're planning tomorrow's breakfast when we're going to bed. Uh, We're so obsessive about enjoying food. Uh, So really everyone's little quirks and what makes everyone unique with eating is what I love to dig into and, and kind of peel back the layers on.
0: So, you know, I, I think about like how you would deal with someone in a relationship who like you know, like my wife, after eight years of dating, we, we, she started out as like a pretty normal eater and then she became vegan. And it doesn't, as I said, I'm not a foodie, so it doesn't affect me, but I got friends who like their whole life is wrapped around where they're going to eat and what they're going to share. And so how would that work for you? Like, do you think you could hang with that or what's, what's your thoughts on that?
1: I mean it would be annoying if I was married to a vegan because pretty much every restaurant you go to you need to have those options, right? But I but then on the other on the other hand it's like I've loved being friends with vegans or going to meals with vegans or people who are gluten-free because like that just expands my horizons. It's just like I would have never gone to crossroads and known how like great vegan food could be. Uh and especially gluten-free for people who love textural foods gluten-free pizza is amazing it's like my ideal pizza it's just crunchy and thin so yeah i mean it would be annoying in one sense because you need the options but i mean i'm down for all food it's what makes people so interesting is all their little habits and their quirks and what they like and what they don't like and that's really just what i try to do on my podcast is get to know people through their eating habits. And so even someone who doesn't want to eat and only eats because of calories and and energy and doesn't think of food as being delicious, like that's totally interesting to me.
0: All right, final question. I've kept you too long. What are your one or two Jordan Oaken commandments, truths that you have discovered that you'd want to impress upon someone else?
1: There's no such thing as bad pizza except for one chicago outlet of a deep dish place in los angeles but uh, and but deep dish isn't really pizza anyways so
0: it's a casserole it's, right it's, it's really are, not are it's agreement? really not
1: pizza so deep dish aside there's no such thing as bad pizza
0: 7-eleven pizza
1: no such thing as bad pizza the worst I slice of pizza you'd eat it and still go, huh? this
0: this is pretty good i agree i couldn't agree more yeah what, and that's what else we got that's it
1: I, that that's my only commandment uh, eat wow, what you that's want beautiful. enjoy that's yourself beautiful. indulge <laughs> we only that... do this once <laughs> live good i love eat it. good support <laughs> restaurants go any city you're in right now you have a local mom and pop that place that's struggling don't use the apps you have time on your hands go pick up food call them so they don't have to pay these animals at postmates and all the other apps the crazy fees to have their food delivered go pick it up help your local restaurants buy gift certificates for when they'll be open in the future buy merch get a little extra takeout for you and your family save it for the next meal we need to support our local restaurants if you're in LA, I keep a bunch of uh, their specials up on my Instagram stories called the F Coron stories. Uh, I highlight where all the great restaurants are doing takeout and what the best dishes are. So if you can, if you have a little extra dough in these times, please support your local restaurant.
0: What do you? What's a good tip? What do you? T- are you tipping? Because I feel like twenty percent is not enough for good service right now.
1: Well, you know it's 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 hard to say because right because so um you're not getting you know obviously you're not getting service but I, i've been leaving good t- i mean I, i've been for pickup you should be generous minimum ten dollars tip on, right. on pickup minimum ten
0: can i tell you a really embarrassing story once yeah sure that what's happening i i this is pre-coron. This is years ago. Now, I was picking up food from someone who was behind sort of like, you know, it was like a walk-up counter where they do the food. And I had ordered it and picking it up. So I'm like, no tip. I'm not tipping you. I was not served at all. I picked this bag up and I signed my name. Well, the person wrote on Twitter... <laughs> that I was a real piece of shit for not for not properly tipping them. Now granted, sometimes I do if they're nice, if maybe they go and grab me an extra, you know, utensils or a soy sauce, but this did not seem like it warranted a tip. Are we supposed to tip no matter what for all to go food?
1: All takeout. All to go, you need to tip because that person is most likely the person Who's putting all the containers into the bag? Making sure you have napkins, making sure you have utensils, making sure you have that soy sauce or duck sauce or whatever you need. Ugh. Tip, tip for takeout, and especially a, a word to any celebrities or or famous people or 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 uh, familiar looking people like Josh is all of the above. Never, if you're a celebrity, you gotta tip that person will remember and then tell everyone for the rest of their life what a cheap bastard I'm you so
0: are. ashamed thank you thank you for pulling the covers off jordan this is Ugh, i can't believe we have to end on this but alas this is my truth and that's a good that- lesson
1: that's the that that's that's the that's the second commandment if you are famous or have a familiar face and someone could out you on social media as being a cheap bastard don't be a cheap bastard thank you bro thank you
0: Whoa, that was so good, wasn't it? I think it was. Jordan Oaken, man, thank you for doing it. Thank you, guys. I talked too much at the beginning of this pod, so I'm going to end it here. Uh, oh, except to say, hey, if you want to rate the pod and give it a, you know, a good rating, maybe a comment, it really helps me. It helps the podcast out. And if you don't want to, that's cool, too. All right. See you next week. Thanks. Bye.